doesn't actually. I feel like it's relevant to say that we can hear the music playing, but then in the recording it's not playing. So, Joyce, when you edit this, we probably sound insane. No, because I have to. I have to coordinate it. I have to make sure the timing lines up. But you just hear us being like. With the music. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, welcome everyone. Welcome back to our show, our podcast. Um, we are So What Do You Do? And um, basically what we do is we force our friends to come talk to us and we ask them all the questions about their jobs. Um, so that's our show. If yeah, because we refuse for- to ever ask them about that their jobs outside of this podcast. Exactly, exactly. We only we only force them to come here um, to ask them all the questions about it here. Otherwise, mm-hmm. we don't talk about it outside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, uh, but anyways, um, how are you doing, Jen? Oh, I'm doing fancy free. Uh, hilariously, the uh, Elan uh, leaf blower just started up outside. Oh, I don't hear it. Girl, I do. Uh, <laughs> but that's just life. Um, yeah, um, I'm I'm taking a French class right now. Oh, uh, oui, oui. Oui, oui. Je m'appelle Jeannie. Yeah, it's it's fun. There's like a handful of people, like one of the girls uh, in the class. She's so funny. She's like, I Googled what are hobbies. And I found language <laughs> so I took this class um so yeah we were learning uh French numbers yesterday which is insane uh-huh. uh the way that they do numbers because it's just like they go through all their numbers and then when they get to 17 they just like change the cadence but when they get to 70 they start doing math so it's like um 70 is uh I forget what 70 is but 80 is 40 plus – or 4 times 20. Times 20, right? Yeah, 420. <laughs> um, we all we ha- all had a fun <gasps> laugh about that yesterday. Oh, my gosh, um, it's coming up. It's coming up. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Boo. Yeah, it's um, It is. Um, anyways, I guess that's me. Uh, Joyce, what the heck are you up to? Um, so we were talking about this earlier, but we – I learned a new term, a uh, Gen Z term, mm-hmm. where it's mid, M-I-D, and that's supposed to mean bad. Mm. I don't I've heard it, but I I didn't know. It's not it's not intuitive what that one is. Yeah, I don't I don't. That's know. mid. Mid. I feel like that's we mid. should have a Gen Z watch, uh, like on our podcast. Like this is your. <laughs> Latest on Gen Z news. <laughs> Word no of the cap. day. <laughs> Shady. Brought <laughs> to you by a 36-year-old. Um, I'm, that's me. I don't know choice I won't out you. Um, that could be a podcast on its own, seriously. Oh, yeah. And I, I feel like you could do it for sure. <laughs> I... <laughs> I um I bought this sweatshirt that I absolutely love, but I realized um it, it's con- like it's my style, which is, and this is kind of like why I like saying Gen Z terms is acting and saying things that are cooler than I actually am, and it's <laughs> obvious, so it's kind of 
funny that way. And so the shirt that I bought says, um, uh, wait, wait, I'm sorry. I'm going to wait. I got to get it one second. Okay, Joyce, I'm sorry that I left you. It says, um, make money drip sauce. Ma? <laughs> it what just does drip sauce mean? It, sauce is like swagger. It's like, oh. it's like your sauce is like your drip, you know? Like, oh. You know? I thought drip and, was like ice. Like. Well, like that's part of like. The swag? I guess. Oh, okay. I don't know. I I mean, truly, again, this is this is my aesthetic is trying to fully own these terms uh, hmm. as if I'm cool enough to do so. But yeah, wait, what was uh, the what was the whole phrase? Make money, drip, drip sauce. sauce. Make money, drip sauce. Hmm. Yeah, curious, curious. <laughs> Curious, curious, curious. Do do Gen does uh is Gen Z old enough to drink? Oh yeah, I think so. Not all of them, but huh? Okay. Well, but I bet Gen Z's like. Oh wait, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not gonna stop that segue. I was gonna say. Speaking of drinking, our segues are so smooth. I love it. So so dripping of sauce. <laughs> are you saying sauce? How are you saying I sauce? I can't say sauce. Like I have to say it sauce. Like it feels like you know, I don't know why. But um, <laughs> this is the perfect time to introduce our guest. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, our guest Jay. Jay. Hey guys. <laughs> Sorry, I was trying to unmute myself. And <laughs> Sorry, I got very stern right there. Not the vibe, not the vibe. <laughs> yeah, not dripping of the sauce. <laughs> um, Jay, uh, introduce yourself and what you do. Yeah, my name is Jay. Um, I am a bar owner in San Francisco. Uh, I own uh, the Trade Routes Bar on Polk Street with uh, two of my friends. Oh, so cool. I was there. I was there like shortly after it opened and uh, I unfortunately was not able to see Jay, but it was so cool. Like Polk Street, for those of you who don't know, is um, is a very popular uh, bar street, I guess. There's like a lot of bars there. And so it's a great spot to go bar hopping. But um, yeah, it's yeah. definitely a bar crawl um, destination. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And um, just a just a caveat too. Um, Jay is actually a product manager at a startup, also based in um, the San Francisco area. But um, most of the the content for today is going to be focused on the bar owning side because we have tons of questions, don't we, Jen? Uh, yes. Uh, first off, how did you find yourself in a sitcom type scenario where you are owning <laughs> a bar with your friends? That's so yeah. True. Uh, no, that's, that's, that's a really good question. Um, you know, I think my, a good buddy of mine from college, Chen Chen, uh, we, uh, we, I, th I think we had always wanted to open up a bar, um, separately. We, we always had kind of a pipe dream and I guess in my mind, I had always thought, you know, in my forties, fifties, you know, semi-retired, open up a nice little speakeasy. Um, huh. and I think, you know, Chen Chen had maybe more of like a s suave, sleek gin type bar. And 
Uh, so we, we had kind of messed around uh, jokingly about opening up a bar and, um, you know, during COVID, uh, we we were just sitting around and we were really bored. It, it's been, it was a couple months in and, you know, we didn't really know what to do during our free time. And I guess the topic came up again and, uh, you know, he, Chen Chen actually is in the food, food service industry. And so mm-hmm. he gets these newsletters um, on like, you know, uh, people looking to sell maybe before they make that publicly available. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was like, well, should I look into it? Uh, and, you know, half jokingly, I said, yes. And um, the next day he came back and said, I found this bar. Let's go check it out. And so that's, that's kind of got what got the snowball rolling. Oh. <gasps> So you guys actually like the 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 idea started after COVID. Yeah. So um, the yeah the trigger to actually build the bar came after COVID. Wow. I thought it was like you guys were planning this and then COVID hit and then you're like, oh well, we have to make it work. But you guys were like, no, this is a challenging situation. Let's <laughs> let's jump right in. That's you awesome. guys are like, oh, cool. These uh, these brick and mortars are all getting shut yeah, down. Every, every, everyone's <laughs> going out of business. And we, <laughs> this is the time. This is the time to open up a bar. Oh, my so, so what's the, uh, the vibe of the bar? Yeah, so we went for a uh, what we call, I guess, like a craft cocktail bar. Um, and we wanted it to be a neighborhood spot. Uh, and, you know, as, as you can tell by the name trade routes, we really leaned into kind of trade themed. So mm. if you walk in what you, you know, we converted a bar that used to be, um, called cabin. And so I remember cabin, <laughs> so funny, but sorry, go on. Yeah, no. I, and if you, if you remember cabin, uh, it's like they li- had literally built entire interior to look like a cabin and it's yeah. like mm. this very shotgun, uh, house, like layout where it's just a very very long bar and once you walk in uh there's kind of the bar to the left and you know there's that narrow area where you gotta squeeze by everyone standing around and then there's a bit of a back area and um you know we really wanted to renovate it and make it into you know not as i guess cozy but more uh a little bit more modern but uh, not too divey, uh, make it a little bit sleek, but not too fancy. And so we were trying to go for that middle ground of comfortable, but not, not, not too fancy. And so, um, it's, it's got a nice, you know, new zinc bar top and, you know, uh, there's a nice round kind of map of the world, uh, behind the bar. Uh, and, uh, so yeah, we, we went for a nice, easy, chill neighborhood bar vibe. Wow. And how much of that was like planning and research? As opposed to like, oh, we got the bar. Let's just make it work. Yeah. So I think when we first stepped in, I think my first impression, you know, before we had renovated everything was, wow, this this place is it's kind of a dump. Um, and not 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 to say that, you know, cabin, the bar itself, uh, you know, I think it was well, by a... the way, it's, it's, this <laughs> is sponsored by Cabin, uh, the bar. <laughs> uh, and uh, um, Jay, how dare you? Well, so, <laughs> let, let me walk that back a little bit. Um, so what, what had happened and uh, was, you know, uh, Cabin, the previous owners, um, they had hired a manager and they, you know, this was a bar, they, they own several bars in the city. And this was probably the one that they hadn't paid attention to as much. And, mm. um, you know, and they had shut down for COVID uh, because they didn't want to uh, try to reopen or, you know, try to 
do some partial delivery. I know a lot of bars were trying to do, you know, makeshift pop-ups to do, mm-hmm. do that. And they just kind of shut it down. And so when we walked in, it was super dusty, right? It had been closed for a couple months. Um, you know, there are still full kegs. There are kegs that were still hooked up to, you know, the, <laughs> uh, um, taps and everything. And so, um, and, and overall, I think, you know, um, it, it just needed work. Uh, it, you know, that, that, space had been a bar for decades and so mm-hmm. you know so, some parts of it were definitely older um and uh now i'm trying to remember the, the original question um You're, yeah oh, my, you my was cabin <laughs> no i'm just kidding i'm not gonna make you uh, no i think it was like uh yeah joyce sorry you you're the one that asked the question yeah i was gonna say um uh it was about like how much of it was planning and research um, versus like coming in and just like reacting to like, oh, I want to change this and I want to change that as opposed to like, this is my concept and here's everything that I want it to look like and let's just make it work. Yeah. And, you know, I think what we started with was the concept. Um, Mm -hmm. And and I think with any project, it's really important to align on like, what is the general idea that you're going for? Um, and, and that's also actually a pretty interesting story. We uh, started off by, um, so we were actually in, uh, I think, uh, Marin, and uh, we were just walking around and there's a lot of sailboats around and we we're trying to first figure out what do we want to call the company? Mm-hmm. And we, we came up with the name Man Overboard uh, as we were <laughs> kind of looking around. And I think that partially also influenced kind of what what's kind of the concept and theme that we wanted to go with. And uh, I think we were really thinking about like 1700s trade. Uh, you know, we were starting to get really inspired by that. Um, hmm. And so we actually, our first, the name that we came up with and um, <laughs> was called Dutch Trading Company. And, hmm. uh, you know, one thing that we did very smartly was uh, do some market research as a good product manager would do. Uh, and <laughs> we we got some feedback that, you know, maybe Dutch Trading Company isn't the best name, especially in San Francisco where we could potentially get canceled. You know, there's a really good history around 1700s trade with colonization mm. and the slave trade and things like that. Mm. And so we decided to kind of shift gears and come up with a new name and we called it Trade Routes because we still wanted to keep the, you know, the adventurism and, you know, uh, just kind of the, you know, what's out there kind of mentality, the discovery mentality. Um, and so we really wanted to anchor around that. Uh, and so we came up with the name Trade Routes. And from there, we hired a interior designer uh, mm-hmm. to help us uh, really come up with some concepts for what we wanted to do. We knew that one of the first things that we really wanted to do was tear down all of the wood paneling. Mm-hmm. So uh, as I mentioned, cabin, you know, in, the interior actually looked like a cabin. And so they actually had wood panels up along the walls. Um, and so one of the very first things we wanted to do was maybe, you know, gut a lot of that uh, theme, the cabin theme, but start to think about, you know, what's a good cross section of like modern and, um, you know, trade and discovery theme that's maybe like anchored in a little bit of a old world uh uh, I guess, flair to it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you, you'd mentioned that you and your friend in college, you'd all, you'd talked about this. You'd even had it as an idea of something to do in retirement. What is it about running a bar that interested you? Mm. Yeah. And, you know, for me specifically, it was, um, I think it was just having a 
space where you're just meeting people. Uh, you know, anyone can walk in the bar and, you know, sit at the bar and talk to the bartender and you're just having a conversation, learning about, you know, someone else's life. And, uh, you know, that sounded like a really good semi-retirement type activity. Um, didn't really think that I'd be doing it now, but, um, I think that was kind of the primary draw for me. And, you know, the, I think the whole idea of like having a speakeasy type bar where it's a little bit quiet, um, a little, you know, got that mood lighting and got like the wooden cabinets and everything. I just kind of like that vibe um, of, uh, you know, having a loungy area. So with you having a full-time job, what does your day-to-day at the bar look like? It's definitely changed a lot. Um, I would say when we were first opening, um, we, so our timeline was we had thought about purchasing the bar um, around, I I would say October of 2020. And then we took possession in February and we opened in June. Uh, And so it was about a four month, uh, four months of build out. And during that time, basically what we did was every single weekend we'd be going um, and spending Friday, Saturday, Sundays uh, doing some sort of build out, right? Uh, whether it's tearing down things or putting up drywall. Uh, and so- uh, Oh, as, in, as yeah. in you guys were doing it yourselves? Yeah. So oh. we really, you know, um, wanted to do the entire renovation ourselves, partially to save money, but I think- a, a big driving factor for us was, you know, we wanted to kind of earn our stripes to some extent. This mm-hmm. is the first bar that we're building out. And we really wanted to be able to say, yeah, like we, we built this ourselves. And so mm-hmm. um, once we got the designs in place and that was a lot of brainstorming with our interior designer and iterating on designs on what, what do we want the, you know, wood panels or, or sorry, the walls to look like. And, you know, what did we want our centerpiece to be and all that. And, um, but once we got that design spec'd out, uh, we had to go in and actually start building it. And so it, we didn't do the entire thing ourselves. Um, mm-hmm. For example, like electrical is mm-hmm. <laughs> neither of us knew how to do electrical and we didn't really want to risk it. But um, I think, you know, <laughs> throughout the pro- process, learned how to drywall, you know, all the stuff that you, you know, think you'll learn maybe once you buy a house, uh, which yeah. is kind of impossible in San Francisco, but, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, started learning a lot of that, I guess, uh, opening up this bar. Um, and so, yeah, during, during the weekends, it was a lot of build out. And then I would say after we've got the bar open, um, the weekends, it was definitely a lot less work, but the weekends were spent uh, really just stabilizing. So whenever there's, you know, we wanted to also uh, learn how to bartend. Neither of us had bartended before. So we mm-hmm. bought a bunch of books and started reading up on, you know, how to make cocktails, what, what makes a good bartender, like what are the different cocktails that we need to memorize. Uh, and we really wanted to spend the first six months doing everything, whether it's, you know, bar back activities, you know, uh, changing kegs, you know, cleaning glassware to bartending. We wanted to spend six months doing that. So our weekends mm-hmm. um, were spent doing that during that time. But Today, nowadays, um, we hire, we just hired a, a bar manager who is taking care of a lot of our inventorying, ordering, and things like that. And so um, we're, we're at a point where, you know, as, as owners, uh, we're really just uh, contributing from a creative standpoint. Like, what are some of the events that we want to do? How do mm-hmm. we want to, you know, drive more business? How do we want to make the bar more exciting? What sort of happy hour should we be thinking about? I see, I see. And, and 
in comparison to like, like looking at like hindsight, right? Um, because of the fact that you were originally thinking about doing this at a, a later phase in your life, um, but had kind of pulled that forward to now, um, what are your feelings and thoughts on that? Like that, just looking back, like, do you feel like, um, do you feel like, like the, this was like the right time for it? Do you feel like it would have been much different later on? Like, how do you think, think about that? Yeah, I, I would say, you know, with any project until you actually just like pull the trigger and go for it. And I think there's always an element of, you know, running into it semi blindly, right? If mm-hmm. the less you know about how much effort it'll take, the more likely you're to actually jump in and do it. And mm-hmm. I'd say like looking back, it was definitely a lot more work than I think either of us had anticipated. But I would say, you know, it, it was a lot of fun. I mean, owning a bar, you know, in your 40s and 50s is definitely different than owning a bar, you know, in your 20s, 30s. Um, you know, it, it makes dating a lot easier. <laughs> uh, and, um, you know, there, it, it's you just have more friends who are wanting to go out, you know, during the week and during the weekends. And uh, now you have a home base where you can go in, you know, uh, uh drink alcohol and you know um, get it discounted and all that and so I think I'm I'm really glad that we did open it when we did uh because it's just a lot more fun with uh doing it now but I'm I guessing you've got friends who are just like bringing people along being like yeah we can drink at this bar for free you're <laughs> like get out of here I'm trying to make some money like has that have you had to have any of those conversations yet uh, we're, we're pretty, I, I would say we, we got some good friends who wanted to support. I'd say probably the biggest vendors of at our bar are probably our friends. So we, okay. we haven't really had to run into that. Um, it's, it's kind of funny because nowadays, you know, you get POS systems that do all this analysis and uh, charting for you and reporting for you. And so it's really easy to see who's like, uh, which, which of your friends are the heavy drinkers because they'll yeah. just pop right up uh, oh at the gosh, top of the list. Funny. So then um, one of the questions that always plagues me about starting a bar, and I'm wondering if by buying an existing bar, this helps with it a little bit, but I've heard liquor licenses can be a real Mm -hmm. challenge to get. Uh, What was your experience with that? Yeah. So I didn't know this going in, but liquor licenses um, in, I think it's California or maybe just San Francisco area. I'm not sure, but they kind of operate like, taxi medallions in New York. So there's Mm -hmm. a limited number of liquor licenses. And actually there's different types of liquor licenses too. So there's liquor licenses that allow you to serve beer and wine. Mm -hmm. uh, And then there's liquor licenses that allow you to, you know, serve all all the alcohol. And there's licenses that require you to have a restaurant. So it requires you to serve food if you want to serve serve alcohol. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, so each of those have, you know, varying different levels of costs, but because they operate like taxi medallions, uh, they basically, you know, there's the price isn't fixed. It it fluctuates depending on demand. Um, And so for you to, um, open a bar, uh, you know, actually not only do you have to find someone who's willing to sell a liquor license, but when you're actually opening the bar, uh, the liquor license often, um, it's not, it's not, it's associated with the person, but oftentimes there's also a lot of regulation in San Francisco where, you know, if you're trying to open up a brand new bar and you're not, you know, taking over an existing bar, you have to go through a whole process where, you know, you need to get, 
approval from the neighborhood. You, you need to have mm -hmm. like a sign up that says, hey, there's going to be a new bar in this location. If you don't want that, come come to like, you know, the next meeting or whatever to voice your opinions. And so um, I think it's much, much easier to purchase a bar that already existed because you're going to be working directly with them to purchase the liquor license mm. as well as kind of the location itself, which makes it a lot easier. Mm. So, so with this situation, you were able to work with the previous bar owners and you didn't have to go through any of the neighborhood council stuff. You were able to work with them on the liquor license. Yeah, it was actually oh, that's really great. straightforward. Yeah, mm -hmm. because they already had a you know full liquor license, so the one that allowed you to serve alcohol without without having to serve food, and the place was set up to be a bar. Hmm. Yeah, and and um, I, this was uh something that I was I've been curious about too is the how much like upfront capital mm -hmm. do you actually need? And like I mean, obviously, like you said that um the because of the timing, like. Maybe you got a discount on the the bars and um, that helped out. But I've always been curious about how much upfront cost it's required yeah. to like, like you said, do that renovation, do get the like the licensing and like have it all set up before you can actually open. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'd, I'd first preface it by saying, you know, it's definitely different city by city. Right. Um, San Francisco, uh, I would say. Uh, is probably more on the expensive side. Um, I think the biggest cost for us was the liquor license. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, liquor licenses in San Francisco uh, before the pandemic were going for around two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, which My is just insane. God, <laughs> that's, that's like a one-time thing, right? It's a one-time thing, so there's no ongoing fees, but it's it's like a down payment. You, you're, that's a you're house. That's, that's a, a house. house. Oh my yeah. gosh. gosh. Um, and then on top of that, if you're purchasing like a bar, um, you know, you're not actually purchasing the building, mm -hmm. uh, what you're purchasing is probably both the lease. So, um, getting the lease from the previous owners and then, uh, of the bar and, um, anything that's inside that the bar previous owners had built out. Mm. And so, um, I would say, uh, in total, with the renovations, with the bar purchase, with the bar license, we probably spent around three hundred to three hundred fifty thousand dollars. That's including the the license. Yeah, and you know, um, wow. because it was a pandemic, and a lot of um, you know businesses were either looking to sell, or you mm -hmm. know, there's there was so much uncertainty that the demand for uh, the liquor licenses had gone down and mm -hmm. people were, you know, trying to sell their bars and everything. So I think overall, um, the timing of it made it a lot more, I guess, affordable to some extent. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, if, if we were trying to do this, you know, maybe before the pandemic or even now, I would say it probably would have cost us twice as much. Wow. Oh my gosh. Oh, and I don't, we, we can cut this if it's like, you know, uh, but did you guys go about this through a loan? Yeah, so um, we did. Uh, so we took out a loan and we each put in a bit of capital ourselves mm. um, and to, you know, account for the entire thing, right? Uh, so for the renovation and everything, we, you know, we both didn't have enough to cover uh, the, <laughs> the entire purchase price. So we did go through, um, through, through a loan process. 
And did you find, like, what was that process like going to the bank? Like, what are the things that they're needing to see from you as the, you know, potential bar owners that would give them give them the confidence to move forward with a loan? Yeah, especially yeah. during the time, like, yeah. with all the, the like, all everyone feeling nervous about, like, bars and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, so we actually didn't do a loan process through the bank uh and uh i'll probably the have mafia. to yeah <laughs> we'll cut this out <laughs> yeah <laughs> well we'll have to check uh with with my business partner here on the on this one but uh whether to include it here or not but um so my business Chen Chen he actually owns a business um and uh that does food delivery so it's still kind of in the service industry area and so um because his business was doing really well and we didn't want to have to you know, go through the process of taking out a loan from the bank. We actually mm. took out a loan from his business. Um, and mm. so we use that to oh. uh, cover our costs, which, which ended up being a lot simpler than having to go through the uh, small business loan process. Oh, yeah. But I mean, to I, I would say, I think around that time, you know, um, uh, there was a lot of kind of, you know, stimulus and uh, injection of money happening. And so I think I would say it, probably would have been a little bit easier of a process because uh, there's just generally more support from the government and from the city to try to get kind of small biz- businesses uh, up and running again. Mm-hmm. I see. And, and in terms of like like seeing that return, um, I, I guess like, first of all, were you guys nervous, especially given like the timing of it and like given that like things were still kind of shut down at the time? Um, and then second of all, like, when did you start feeling like, oh, this is okay. We're starting to make money. This is good. Yeah, that's 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 a really good question because you know I, I distinctly remember, um, you know, right before we actually needed to make a decision, uh, we just kind of sat down and I, I was like, you know, do we actually want to do this? Like, this right. is a lot of money, um, and I have another job. You have another job. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, do we have time for this? And you know. Like we, we don't know when the pandemic's going to end. We estimated that things would start opening around the time that we would open. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like no one really knew. And, and so, um, you know, we were having this conversation and I, I probably was a little bit more hesitant than uh, my business partner, Chen Chen. Uh, but, you know, I think what, how we reasoned it out was, Hey, you know, if anything, this is probably the best time to open up a business because, you know, uh, you know, at, it's just more cost efficient to do that right now. There's a lot of support uh, from the government and from the city. Uh, and, you know, um, if our timing is right, then great. If not, then, you know, let's, let's figure out the math around like how long can we actually survive uh, while you know everything's shut down. And so going through that process really helped us really, you know, gain a bit of confidence, but mm-hmm. I think it wasn't really until, um, I would say two two different phases where the confidence, you know, definitely went up. One was once we actually started uh, tearing down the walls of the bar, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you step in and, you, you know, you're like, you get the keys and all of a sudden you're like, wait, we own this. And Cabin had left all of their liquor and we had purchased their leftover liquor from them. And okay. so we literally were, you know, in the middle of a pandemic where no bars open, we just called up all our friends and said, hey come to the bar, let's hang out, let's have some fun. And, you know, we were just taking bottles off the shelf and it was so much fun and just like, you know, pouring shots for each other, drinking straight out of the bottle and uh, blaring music, right? And for 
everyone who had been cooped up for like months, six months, seven months, eight months, uh, it was just such a like release to actually be able to socialize in person a little bit, uh, you uh-huh. know, in a, uh, I guess, co- in a, <laughs> a COVID friendly way to some extent, because it was just like a small group of us. Um, uh-huh. and, and so I, th- I think that was like a, hey, this is a lot of fun. And, and you know, even if it turns out that we got to sell the bar or like, you know, it's a flop, we had a lot of fun with it. And then I think the second thing that really happened was um, when we geared up for our soft launch. Um, and that was in June. Uh, and we we're scrambling to get everything in place because we had already put out all the marketing and, mm-hmm. you know, things were starting to already open up. They things were starting to open up back in March and, you know, we're, we're in June already. So we're trying to open up the bar as quickly as possible. And when we did that soft launch, um, it was, the bar was packed, you know, you couldn't move. Uh, you know, there's so much support, not just from our friends and family, but from, you know, the neighborhood. And, mm-hmm. and so I think, uh, that, that was a, a lot of fun for us. Um, and I, th- I think gave us a lot more confidence that, you know, things would work out. How do you feel like you got the support of the neighborhood like that? That's mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah. Um, well, I one I one thing that I think helped a lot was Cabin itself was a neighborhood bar. Um, mm-hmm. And actually, even before it was Cabin, I think it was called uh, the Bigfoot. And then before that, it was a White Swallow. And so uh, that location had a history of being a good neighborhood spot. So mm-hmm. you know, we're we're in the Knob Hill area of San Francisco, and you know, there's people who have lived there for you know a really long time and, and had seen that spot change over uh, over you know years, and they were really excited to come support the new bar that had moved in. Um, and so we got a lot of support through that. And, you know, um, I think we just uh, try to make friends with our neighborhood businesses. So we, our bar is actually right next to a pretty famous French restaurant called Amelie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we really, you know, work closely with them, uh, partnered with them on, you know, just like, Hey, we're going to be doing construction during this time, blah, blah. blah. And uh, even now we have a really good solid relationship with them and, you know, and, and all, all the small kind of businesses around that area. So I think that that helped a lot. Um, I think another big one was uh, Chen Chen had created a Reddit post uh, that mm. kind of went viral uh, and uh, at least in the SF uh, community page. Uh, where, you know, he, he's a SF native, he grew up in San Francisco. And so he really, you know, talked a lot about how, you know, it's always been his dream to open up a barn in San Francisco specifically because it's his hometown. And I think that resonated really, really well with the San Francisco community. And so we just got mm-hmm. an outpouring of support, uh, you know, especially with, you know, small businesses just starting to recover. I think, I think there's just so much support there and energy that we tapped into. That's so cool. Yeah, I I actually didn't realize that it was cabin until I visited. And I was like, like, I was inside, I was sitting at the bar and I was like, oh my gosh, I've been here before. (laughs) It was like the same kind of like feeling and like, it was, it was completely different. So I didn't like, like put the two and two together until I was actually like inside sitting. And I was like, wait, like the the long kind of alleyway of the bar, like the the back into the bathroom area. It was it's so cool. Yeah. I feel like that is such a great location too. And so I'm sure everyone in the area just loves having that there. I'm surprised you were able to actually put two and two together because uh, I feel like we we did such a you know it's such a turnaround of renovation that we did that um, yeah. 
like if you see a before and after picture, it almost it, it definitely looks like a com- completely different bar, right? And totally, uh, un- unless you like knew the layout and remembered that, which I which you did, like it, it'd be much. It's, it'd be really hard to you know uh, figure that out. So yeah, and yeah, and that's why that's why like when I saw pictures, I didn't even think about it. I didn't even think it was like ca- like related to Kevin <laughs> at all. And it wasn't until I was actually in there and sitting, and I was like, ooh, there's like a very familiar feeling about this setup. Yeah. And, um, that, that was what actually triggered it. But, um, but yeah, like uh, the other question I, like, I was curious about is, um, I ha- know nothing about the, like the economics of mm. like running a bar, like, like purchasing liquor and like selling it and like the, um, just, yeah, I'm just kind of curious like about, the staff. Like, yeah, 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 the staff and, and, um, like, yeah, I'm, I'm just curious about like all of like the, the kind of like OPEX costs, I guess. Yeah, so you know, I, it's it's kind of no different than I would say like any other good that you're selling. Um, and so I'll start with maybe like the um, liquor costs and kind of uh, order and process. So uh, I didn't know this going in, but there's really you know there's a lot of different alcohol brands, and you're not really you know working with each individual brand to purchase their alcohol. Mm-hmm. You work with distributors, and there's I think two main distributors in San Francisco. And so a lot of the brands kind of oh. choose one or the other. Um, and so we work directly with them. And one thing that's interesting is alcohol sold, you know, two bars uh, have to have this uh, flat price. So you can't actually sell alcohol at, with different pricing to different bars. So the distributors have a set price and you're purchasing alcohol from them. Um but obviously, you know, uh, a lot of the brands have like marketing activities and things like that, that they want to partner with you on. And so mm-hmm. it's actually a lot of fun. You, you get to work with like these brand ambassadors who will come to your bar and, you know, uh, talk about like different events that they're doing and uh, ways that they want to partner with you. And, you know, uh, it, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun um, uh, learning about that process. Um Oh yeah. It, it's super fun to partner with the ambassadors and, you know, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're liquor uh, ambassadors, so they just ha- have fun all the time, right? And, right. and so that's that's kind of funny and, and a lot of fun. Uh, I, but from like a business element, you know, we're, we're placing these orders, we're restocking, we're taking inventory. Um, but from a sales perspective, you know, these cocktails are, um, from a margins perspective, uh, pretty, pretty good. Uh, mm-hmm. I would say like for each cocktail that, uh, that you're making, you're, it probably costs like between one to two dollars if it's super fancy maybe three dollars uh oh. to, to make the cocktail um at least in just like the base costs right uh and a lot of it's like uh you know i think optimizing efficiency for your staff so you're not trying to make a cocktail that's like super complicated uh because you want to get the right throughput um and you also want to make sure that you know you're well stocked on all the different ingredients like you, know, you want to make sure you have fresh oranges, limes, mm-hmm. lemons. I, I actually think that that was one of the most difficult things was just like, how do you get all the fresh produce mm-hmm. um, delivered? And, uh, you know, especially at the volumes that we're at, if you're a big bar and, you know, you're running through inventory super quickly, then it doesn't matter. You just buy in bulk. Uh, mm-hmm. But for us, you know, we buy a box of oranges and we are not going to go through the entire box of oranges and they're going to spoil. And mm-hmm. so um, there's, there's some challenges associated with that, but uh, you know, overall I would say, you know, you're working with 
you know, how, how do you pay your staff? All the costs are, you know, how do you pay your staff, the rent, utilities, um, the cost of the liquor itself, um, and any sort of, uh, I guess, um, repairs and things like that, that you got to do, which, uh, ended up being, um, a lot more than we had anticipated. Wow. Oh my goodness. And, and like, I'm guessing like, yeah, probably having a business partner that is very familiar in this industry was helpful because I'm thinking about like hiring, like, like if, if I don't know anything about like bartending, like how would you know, like, who's the best person to hire or like, um, like what, where to even go for something like that. But I'm sure Chenchen helped a lot. Yeah, he did. And you know, that's, that's really funny. Cause you know, I'm, I'm coming from, uh, and Joyce and Jen, you guys know, you know, in the tech industry, you got this like heavy interview process, right? You're, <laughs> you're interviewing someone multiple times and you're like, okay, do we, did they pass the technical interview? Uh, did they pass the culture interview? Right. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, what <laughs> what surprised me the most was like uh, for for us, it was like, okay, put an ad up on Craigslist and, you know, a lot of these like uh, job hunting uh, sites mm-hmm. that, that, that they have nowadays, like Indeed. And uh, now this podcast is sponsored by Indeed. Thank you, Indeed. <laughs> but uh you know it was like hey come come to the bar let's chat and we would ask them a few questions and then it's like okay cool your real resume looks good when can you start all right tomorrow all right here's here's your training let's go um and i you know i think just the lightweightness of it and and the fact that you know i think uh in this industry a lot of people are you know either students um or you know they have other jobs and so you kind of have to anticipate that uh, their lives are going to change over time pretty rapidly. So, you know, yeah. within the next six months, uh, you know, they may have relocated to another city or, you know, they graduated college and now they're going off and they don't want to bartend anymore or they don't want to be a bar back. And so um, yeah. it's, it's, it's definitely a um, uh, different uh, hiring experience than, than I was used to, but uh, to your point, Joyce, yeah, it, it definitely helped having kind of Chen Chen, you know, be super familiar with that because um, he, he's had to do that for his restaurants. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I was going to ask another question, but uh, I feel like I've been asking all the questions. So, Jen, I'll hand no, it over not, to you for now. Maybe it should be rapid or like uh, lightning round. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, yeah, let's I, go. Okay. Right. What would you say the biggest challenge is of running a bar? I think the biggest challenge is you just have to be on call twenty four seven. So if something goes wrong, you just have to be able to uh, go in and, and resolve it. Hmm. Wait, what? What sort of things? Like, um, like, like, there's the a fight. Biggest. It's it's. I, I think this most like emergency ones don't happen as often, but when they do, it's just really annoying. So like plumbing issues. When we first opened, mm. within the first like I think I want to say like first month, we actually had flooding <laughs> uh, with, with plud- plumbing and so um you know we we had to go and fix that and that was like you know had calling a plumber emergency plumber and then um yeah so uh you know issues like that but you know when, once you fix plumbing it, it's usually good for a really long time which is good but uh yeah things like that 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 are really annoying and uh you know you you never realize that you have to go and like do plumbing issues and uh you know that's not that's not the first on your list of like things that i would have to do as a bar owner but right. you know mm-hmm. <laughs> you go and you're mopping up the bathroom because it's flooding it's like uh yeah it's it it's definitely comes up 
Wow. I feel uh, like no. the definitely comes up part feels fun <laughs> about. I feel like I'm stretching and that's gross. <laughs> so I right. take no responsibility. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, then the, my question is, uh, what would you say was the biggest lesson learned in this experience? I think biggest lesson learned was, um, hmm, that's a good question. I think biggest lesson learned is you just got to be scrappy. Um, we MacGyvered a lot of things. There's no, there's no like handbook or rule book of, you know, this is how you put a bar together, uh-huh. uh, especially when like you're dealing with renovations and things like that. You know, uh, I'll, I'll give you an example. Like we, we were putting up, you know, new paneling on the walls and we needed, and then we had like a metal sheet left over from a cabin that would be kind of the bottom half of the wall. And so, mm-hmm. you know, waist down would be this metal sheet. And then above that, we're putting this like uh, stick wood up, up on the walls and that gap, we needed to figure out a good way to, you know, fill that. And uh, we were like, okay, well, h- how do you do that? You know, and, and maybe, you know, good carpenters and, and, and you know, construction folks, will, <laughs> handymen will have like uh, idea in the back of their heads to just go go with it but mm-hmm. uh we ended up using like this um uh tile rail so when you when you put like bathroom tiles uh, mm-hmm. on the mm-hmm. floor uh you know to close the gap between the wall and the tiles you have this like tile rail but um what's interesting is like it, it's got this l shape to it and so we we bought one from home depot and we just kind of like plugged it in and it fit perfectly and it was just mm-hmm. like oh this is really cool like it, it fits and you know, we just kind of like drilled holes into it. Uh, and, uh, it, it seemed to, um, go, go over well. And it's, it's still kind of, that's, that's what the bar looks like today. Um, mm-hmm. I think the other thing is take lots of pictures while you're creating, uh, when you're renovating, uh, we, you know, when, once you drywall something, you actually can't see what's behind it. And, for our bar, um, we had some uh, piping uh, behind the wall that, uh, you know, we we kind of generally knew where it was. But once the drywall went in, we we're like, oh, wait, we need to put shelving up and we need to start drilling into the drywall. Oh, my. Uh, God. And so we had like we had put the drywall up. We had had our interior designer come in and you know she had this like really fancy technique. Uh, she had uh, that to paint the walls. And so we had everything ready. And this was like maybe a couple days before our soft opening. And um, we drilled in the holes to put up our shelving. We had put up all of our shelving and we had actually turned off our uh, water main. And that day we turned it on and water started shooting (gasps) out of the wall. Oh my gosh. And so it turned out we had drilled into uh, one of a the, pipe? Uh, a pipe. And, oh and so oh um, we, we had to tear everything down. Uh, thankfully we still met our soft launch uh, and replaced the pipe, hire a plumber, replace the pipe and then put the drywall back up and then try to re- reproduce what our interior designer did with the paint. Uh, and, and so, yeah, uh, I'd say, take lots of pictures and document what you're doing, wow. uh, which is a good lesson in life and tech and, you know, whatever you do, but definitely a lesson learned there. I thought you were going to say something like sentimental, like take lots, lots of pictures. So you remember the journey, <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> but no, that's like logistically a very smart idea to do. Uh, 
<laughs> yeah, no, I, maybe I should have gone with something more. I don't no. know. I, I feel like we just remember all of these, like, oh, the, the most, you know, <laughs> difficult things that you've had to do uh, opening up the bar. I, I think it's perfect for someone that's like, you know, that that's something that someone would never think to to do for that reason. Right, you know, right? Yeah. Um, on, on that note, um, who would you say would be like a good fit to run a bar? Like, what are the temperaments and personality types of someone that would you know fit in well in doing what you're doing? Yeah, um, that's a really good question because I think one thing that I realized about the service industry is and and maybe comparing it and contrasting it to the tech industry is you know in in tech and you know i'm sure other industries as well but more familiar with tech is um i would say like there's just better um i guess uh more stable range of management types like there's there's a certain like bar of like oh you know if if you want to manage people you got to be able to you know um Nav- there, there's certain skill sets that you you learn through proxy right there's a lot of like management coaching and all mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. but when, when it comes to like a small business you know there isn't as much frameworks and structure and things like that and so mm-hmm. um a lot of a lot of people don't know how to do management right uh and and um operate and run running a business and uh, you know hearing from our staff on, you know, their previous experiences at different businesses. I think there's just like a lot more, um, I guess, uh, dynamic or dynamism of uh, a range of good to bad management, Mm. bad management being like the matter, like the business is stealing from you by, by like taking your tips. Right. And and like basic (laughs) stuff that like you probably wouldn't think, would be a problem or like wouldn't even like touch like it's almost like a third rail issue right um is can be pretty common and so i'd say like in terms of temperament you know if you have a good like if you're just like a good person (laughs) and (laughs) like are willing to be good to you know your staff good to you know your your customers have a pot you, you need you do need to bring a bit of a positive energy and you need to mm-hmm. you know turn on a little bit in terms of like uh creating that vibe for your bar especially if you're the only one bartending mm-hmm. and then i think um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just having a little bit of like a business sense of like being scrappy and you know kind of th- think making decisions tailoring it towards like okay but how do I make sure the bar, sur- like if I make this decision, is it going to be profitable? You know, how do I make sure the bar survives? I think if you just have like those three things and willing to put in the work, I would say like it's, it's a really great fit. And, you know, if if you like working with your hands um, and like chatting with people and, and hearing their stories and socializing while working, it's, it's such a great, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great job. That's awesome. So how much, how, like how many times a week would you, like, do you just go in and bartend because you want to hang out with people? Yes. Uh, so we don't really bartend that much ourselves anymore, um, mm-hmm. mainly because all of our shifts are full. So we don't want to go into, you know, when right. one of our staff is uh, bartending and be like, all right, well, I kind of want to bartend. So go take a break. <laughs> that mm-hmm. It doesn't work that way. Um, so we don't really bartend anymore, but we do go in and, you know, we, we love supporting our staff. And so... Uh, we, we bring our friends in, uh, we, we, we hang out at the bar, we talk, talk to, you know, the, 
uh, some of the customers there. We talk to our staff and, um, you know, um, we obviously don't pay, our, pay for our drinks, but we, you know, leave tips to support, mm-hmm. support our staff. And so, mm-hmm. um, that's, that's typically what we do. So we're, we're, we're not really bartending as much anymore, but we, we do get to kind of have the fun of, uh, you know, socializing a little bit. So cool. Did Jen, did you have another question? No other questions. I'm just looking at your menu and your cocktails look awesome. Yeah. I really <laughs> like the cocktails there. I love cocktails, period, cocktail bars, period. So it's like so exciting. But um, one last question um, for anyone who's thinking about opening a bar, who like has wanted to open a bar, any words of advice? Yeah. Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I would say, honestly, the biggest thing would be, you know, learn, learn to have fun with it. And, and not in the sense that like, you know, very waxing some philosophical, like (laughs) have fun, you know, but more, if you're not having fun, building your bar, then that energy will seep into how you interact with your customers, how mm. you treat your staff, um, and, you know, how, how you operate overall. And so uh, I think I think one of the biggest things was, you know, with, with something like a bar, you are customer facing and you are, uh, you know, setting the tone for what the customers would feel, the energy that they'll feel at your bar. And so if you yourself aren't having fun, then, you know, then your business is probably not going to do too well because your customers are going to feel it and they're not going to want to come back. So your advice might be to live, laugh, love. Exactly. <laughs> put, put, that, well, put that up on the wall. <laughs> Engrave it. Oh, my god! Dance like no one is watching. Oh, live, yeah. laugh, love. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that would be so funny if I saw that at your bar. If you had like a live life. I know that next time you come in, you're like, that wasn't there before. <laughs> I did that. <laughs> That'll be my like like welcome to the neighborhood uh gift. Yeah, and, and, just, and like we can't refuse. We gotta put it up, right? Right. Ooh, I, have to, I have to pound it into the wall and break another pipe or something. <laughs> I'm going to, when I come visit San Francisco next, I'm going to come, but I'm going to come with a, uh, a, a sign that says it's five o'clock somewhere. And I'm also <laughs> going to bring a nail and a hammer and I'm going to nail it. Yeah. In the wall. I, I should just say probably disclaimer. This is not encouraging people to come to this bar and just <laughs> nail things <laughs> into the wall. Yeah. Um, but we also take, uh, but like. From a liability standpoint, we take no responsibility. No responsibility. But like, don't do it. Uh, mm-hmm. But like, we're also disclaimer. Exal- disclaimer. <laughs> disclaimer. But also, then- this podcast and all of its affiliates, uh, <laughs> such as Cabin and Indeed, uh, take no responsibility. Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. Well, um, I think that wraps up our time today. But Jay, thank you so much. This was so enlightening and I love learning so much from you. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll definitely visit your bar next time Jen's in town. And yeah. I will definitely text you before I head over to your bar next time too. Yeah, you guys should definitely drop by and, um, you know, let me know and we, we can catch up in person. And I guess, you know, a question for you guys, um, given that this podcast is about, you know, so what do you do? Uh, and I guess, you know, 
I'd, I'd be curious from what you learned from me about, you know, owning a bar and opening up a bar, like on a scale of one to 10, how, how, like, how much do you guys want to be bar owners now after hearing about, uh, about my experience? Wait, this is the podcast first. I don't think no. our guests no have one's ever, t- ever given a shit about what we thought. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Jay. Wow. You're so special. Uh, I'm on the high end. Uh, I would say I've always kind of been intrigued by it and your description of it and your process of it is even that much more exciting. I would say what knocks off a couple of points is that old liquor license thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I, I think that, it, you know, I I love the idea of being sociable, working, like being on your feet and working with your hands and the business sense, but it does feel like it would be exhausting to have to turn it on when you have to turn it on um, and not yeah. really having that option to not. Um, so I don't know. I think I'm like seven, eight on the scale. That's mm. pretty high. Yeah. Mm. I think um, I, I feel like I'm a little bit the opposite of Jen in that, like, I think the social aspect makes it more attractive to me. Like, I would love to just constantly have a place where I can like meet strangers and listen to their life story and like engage with like people that, that I don't get to engage with through like work or friends or friends. Um, and like, you know, plus one to the, the hands-on, like creating something new, the experience of like learning as you're developing your business sounds really exciting. I think the part that knocks off points for me, obviously like with the, with the liquor license, the, <laughs> the cost of a house, dear God. Um, but also I'm, I'm not like a stay up late and drink person anymore. Yeah. And so um, I'd be like sleepy. And I think that that's the part that like probably deters me from wanting to do that. But um, I, I had yeah. totally suppressed that part of my memory where, you know, our bar is open until 2 a.m. And, you know, by right. the time you're closed, you're like 3, 4 a.m. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the only places that are open are, you know, these really bad greasy burger pizza places. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, you'd pick some up along the way, go eat like the worst, you know, worst thing that you could eat for your body and then go to bed and wake up the next day. And so, yeah, I, I definitely feel you on that one. Well, and, and then you have to get up early for your your job in the morning like uh, within a couple hours is that what you did no because we 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 wouldn't have to stay open that late on sundays which is thankfully uh, really good but on saturdays and so sundays would be you know sleeping a little bit <laughs> especially uh, the days where we were, we were working until close yeah oh man yeah i think that like I, that's why i think it's so exciting that you did it when you're younger because i feel like if i did this in my 20s that would have been so exciting because I had that energy and I was around like that, that environment, but I sure as hell did not have that kind of money in my twenties. So a little mix there. Definitely a trade off. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Well, once again, Jay, thank you so much for your thoughtful question and all your thoughtful answers. Uh, And I'd like to extend uh, a sincere fuck off to all of our other guests that didn't ask so um, <laughs> um <laughs> yeah this is, this is this is new i'm i'm feeling wow this is so cool 
Um, yeah, well, thank you guys so much for having me on. You know, I think this is my this is the first podcast that I'm being a part of. So, um, yeah, this is super fun and exciting. Great. Thanks so much, Jay. Thanks, and Jay. For everyone else, we will be right back. back oh my goodness it's funny jay basically did what we asked us the question that we normally talk about in this section i know that's probably because he listened to the um the last episode yeah and he was like oh i'm gonna he did his homework (laughs) (laughs) he came prepared (laughs) it is Uh pretty cool though i like it sounds like such a dream. It does. Right? But the on-call thing that he m- mentioned is no joke. Like, I helped run this one theater and, uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yeah, it was like I – you just kind of have to leave your house if – like there was, a, there was a neighbor that wasn't too fond of our operation and I had to like make contact with that and it's like – and that – that ha- I mean, you just have to be ready for that, and you have it. Just has to be something that you accept, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that is a that is something to consider. Yeah, I th- I feel like like the the more and more I think about it, I'm like, man, I wish I did that when I was younger. Like it it feels like it would be so much fun at a younger age. And I guess Jay is a little bit younger, so it's like. Like he did it right. Like he did it at the right time. Like it just sounds like, like it would be. I don't know. For me, it would be harder to do if I were older. It feels like he thread the needle very well. Where he mm-hmm. was, he he's old enough to where it's not like just binge drinking USA right. and uh, <laughs> and but and like and you have a sense about business and you've been able to pick up on some of that just from the. I guess the real world. I don't mm-hmm, know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But also not old enough to be uh, asleep at nine. <laughs> I started sleeping at nine before my – like I feel like when I turned 30. You go to sleep at nine? I go to sleep at nine, dude. <gasps> like um, uh, to answer your question from the note, no. Huh? What note? <laughs> What no? Um my my husband uh was trying to enter this room and um he slid a note under the door asking if he could enter. Um and I said no. <laughs> so maybe maybe that's a sign to wrap things up. <laughs> um but um I I we didn't dis- discuss this but I feel like um you know to be a, a formal podcast um Hey, if you're listening to this, follow us on Instagram. Uh, oh, uh-huh, we're uh-huh. Uh, so what do you do pod and follow us on uh, on I almost said Shopify because that's work uh, Spotify, um, <laughs> Google and Apple. Uh, please. And you know what? Leave a dang review. And if you say anything bad, <laughs> I'll find you. <laughs> <laughs> Jen will find you. I used to work with Yelp. 
And let's just say it caused me trauma. <laughs> that we need to talk about that at a different time. I I wanted to pitch a podcast while I wasn't working where I got a job at Yelp just to infiltrate them and documented the entire experience and attempted <laughs> to take them down from the inside. Um, and then I got a job doing the same thing I did. <laughs> oh my gosh. What a what an alternative universe that would be. That would be so funny. Oh my goodness. There's a universe where I did it. There's gotta yep. be. Yep, exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, I guess we should wrap. <laughs> Woo! That was perfect timing. All right, well, we have been So What Do You Do? I'm Joyce. I'm Jan. And thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you later. Bye. Goodbye.